open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise to Thee, O Christ, King of eternal glory. Christ, for our sakes, hath endured temptation and suffering. O come, let us worship Him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. And make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. Form the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to Christ, for our sakes, hath endured temptation and suffering. O come, let us worship him.
The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress I called upon the Lord. He heard my voice out of his temple. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. For thou wilt save the afflicted people, but will bring down high looks. Thou hast girded me with strength, and maketh my way perfect. Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The sorrows of hell compassed me about, the snares of death prevented me. In my distress I called upon the Lord. He heard my voice out of his temple. The Old Testament lesson for Septuagesima Sunday is written in the 17th chapter of Exodus, beginning at the first verse. All the congregation of the children of Israel traveled from the wilderness of sin, starting according to the Lord's commandment, and encamped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? The people were thirsty for water there. So the people murmured against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt? To kill us, our children, and our livestock with thirst? Moses cried to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Walk on before the people, and take the elders of Israel with you, and take the rod in your hand in which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb. You shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, and the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because the children of Israel quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the ninth and tenth chapters of the first epistle to the Corinthians, beginning at the twenty-fourth verse. Brothers, Don't you know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run like that, that you may win. Every man who strives in the games exercises self-control in all things. Now they do it to receive a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I, therefore, run like that, not aimlessly. I fight like that not beating the air, but I beat my body and bring it into submission, lest by any means, after I have preached to others, I myself should be rejected. Now I would not have you ignorant, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of a spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. However, with most of them, 
God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Out of the depths I have cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Matthew, the twentieth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man who was the master of a household, who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. He went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went their way. Again he went out about the sixth hour and ninth hour and did likewise. About the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle. He said to them, Why do you stand here all day idle? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and you will receive whatever is right. When evening had come, the lord of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning from the last to the first. When those who were hired at about the eleventh hour came, they each received a denarius. When the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise each received a denarius. When they received it, they murmured against the master of the household, saying, These last have spent one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Didn't you agree with me for a denarius? Take that which is yours and go your way. It is my desire to give this last just as much as to you. Isn't it lawful for me to do what I want to with what I own? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first, and the first last. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. The Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee, and they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the parable, our Lord says, Now when those first hired came, 
they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. The situation is rather simple. Workers that worked a brutal 12-hour shift are grumbling and complaining about receiving receiving the same wage as those who worked only one hour. These 12-hour workers were up and alive at dawn. They were capable. They produced results. They were willing to bear the burden and heat of the day, none of which could be said for those who worked one hour. And so at first here, it feels understandable why they would complain about the wage, why they should grumble instead of thanking the foreman. Even if you twisted their arm and said, you have to thank the master, they wouldn't know how. That's how cheated they feel. After all, how many of you would work a 12-hour shift knowing that you'd be paid the same as someone who works one hour? Or put another way, for you students, if you worked 12 hours to write a great five-page essay, How would you feel if a person who worked, or another student who worked one hour, wrote a paragraph and got the same grade? No one would feel that was fair. And so they grumbled. They said, this isn't fair. But the truth of the matter is, this isn't a parable about fairness. Our religion isn't about fairness. Instead, it's a parable about workers who had forgotten who they were before the master of the house, before our Lord, hired them. All the workers, no matter what time they were hired, all came from the same place. They all came from the marketplace. And to understand this parable, you have to understand what the marketplace is. It's not Walmart. It's not some outdoor farmer's market. In this parable, the marketplace is a place of chaos. It's a place of death, of hell, of judgment. And death and chaos here are not just something that you experience. Death and chaos in this marketplace are an active, hostile force. That's what our psalm says. If you look at the intro, those opening verses... They described the marketplace well. The cords of shale, that is the cords of the grave or the cords of hell, entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. The marketplace is where the grave constantly reaches out to grab whoever it can. It's where the devil sets his traps, his snares, to imprison his prey. It's where the evil one seeks to utterly destroy all those under his power. And understand what it means that the evil one wants to destroy you. He wants to make your life meaningless, your memories completely forgotten. His snares and his traps, they're not mysterious. We face them all the time. His traps are those of the traps of divorce, the traps of broken families, 
the trap of distress when disease or illness or cancer pops up. The, it's the, the trap is the despair of loneliness or the despair of addiction from drugs or pleasure or whatever the addiction may be. The snares are the entrapment of constant anger, of laziness, or of despondency. The traps are the allurement of thieving and cheating. All of these things and things like them are traps of our sinful flesh that the devil sets out in the world. All of them are cords which entangle us and pull us toward the grave. In the marketplace, in the world, there are so many traps and snares. But the end result of them are all the same. They pull you to the grave. It's chaos and it's death. What's even more bleak about the marketplace is what we're able to do while we're in it. And so we listen to this from the parable. Christ says, about the eleventh hour, he, that is the master of the house, went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. Why do you stand here idle all day, he asks. What he's really asking us in this fallen world is, why do you fall into the snares of death? Why haven't you cut off the cords of the grave? And the answer of those in the marketplace is chilling because no one has hired us. That is, because we are helpless. We can't help but fall into the snares. We, we're not powerful enough to cut off the cords. No one in this world can or will help us. We can't escape. They're idle because they are utterly helpless against the snares of death and the cords of hell. That's all of the workers that were in the marketplace. No matter when they were hired, the truth about all of them is, is that they were born in the marketplace of death. That's you, that's me, that's everybody. That's where we started. And so in that marketplace of death, there's really only one thing they can do. And, it's in the, and again, it's in the psalm. The psalmist says, In my distress, in my tribulation, I called upon, I invoked the Lord. From His temple in heaven, He heard my voice. See, all that they could do in the marketplace was re repent and cry out to the Lord for help. And do you see what the Lord does? He opens His ears and He listens. And He answers. He doesn't hear or answer them because of anything worthy in them. They're simply standing as sinners in the marketplace, helpless. He hears and listens out of His grace alone. And so he hears our cries as he sits in heaven. And he answers. He answers by sending his son in the flesh to be born of a virgin. By having his son live the perfect 
sinless life that we couldn't live in this marketplace. He answered by having his son take into himself all of our sin, that sin of broken families, the sin of loneliness, the sin of addictions and illnesses, of laziness and theft. He took all of that into himself and went to the cross and was lifted up all by himself, alone, in front of all the marketplace, in front of all the world to see. And there he hung on the snare of the cross, with the cords of our sins entangling him as he died for us, as those cords drug him into the grave, as the the snare of Sheol sealed him in the tomb. That's how God answered your prayer. He answered your prayer by having his son three days later break those cords of death as he rose again from the grave. As he rose in victory, showing his death was his death. Everyone thought that the cross was a snare for him to die, but really his death was the snare of death itself, where death was defeated. God answered your prayer by creating this vineyard, by creating his church in the flesh and blood, death and resurrection of his son. And this we have to see. In the parable, when our Lord goes to the marketplace, it's more than just to hire men. Rather, when the Lord goes into the marketplace to hire those men, that is Him invading the marketplace and bringing you from the devil's kingdom into His vineyard, into His church, into His kingdom. Him going to the marketplace was an invasion to save you. Removing men out of the realm of the devil and bringing them into the realm of heaven. That's the vineyard. He died for your forgiveness. He rose to justify you before God. And in the waters of baptism, he has brought you here into his vineyard. All of his workers, all of his saints in his church are in here by his grace alone. Nothing worthier in me or you. It's by His grace. That we get to live and work in the vineyard is all grace. You get to live in the church. That's His grace. You teachers get to work in the schools. That's His grace. You students get to learn in His school. That's by His grace. And it's grace. It's His grace alone, whether you were baptized and hired for his vineyard at the sunrise of your life or whether at life's sunset. It's all grace. This isn't a parable about fairness. And thank God for that. Because if God were about fairness, we never would have left the marketplace. This is a parable about grace. That's what the all-day workers, that's what the 12-hour shift workers forgot. Again, from the parable. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day 
and the scorching heat. Well, first off, when you look at their statement, we have to realize there is some truth in this. Being in the vineyard, living in the church, is not easy. There is suffering. The workers suffer the, the day's heat. And so we also suffer in the church from the mockeries and persecutions from enemies outside the church. We're mocked for believing that God would sacrifice His Son for our sins. We're, we're seen as foolish. Whether you're in the church or in the school, there will be people that mock you. You will suffer. And just as the workers bore the burden of work, so also many of the all-day workers in the vineyard, those who live in the church from cradle or from youth to grave, they also bear the burden of the church's work. You have people that have been Christians all their lives, serving as pastors, as elders, as board chairs, as teachers, or maybe directing activities of the church. These people often bear the burden of the church's work. It's hard to get volunteers. And sometimes when they're bearing the burden of the work, they suffer at the hands of those in the church. Sometimes at the hand of unfaithful pastors, wolves in sheep's clothing. Sometimes it's when you're working hard in the church alongside a fellow Christian, and that fellow Christian says, I'm done, and they leave the vineyard. That's suffering. And so a faithful remnant remained. That's who these all-day workers are, the faithful remnant. Yet they remained in the vineyard and they endured the hardships and the difficult work. And so on earth, they, they do deserve some honor among us. But that's not the point being made. That's the truth of what they're saying, but that's not the point being made. The point is, is that the temptation for these all-day workers is to take their eyes off God's grace and start believing that their works have earned them this wage that their works have entitled them to forgiveness and salvation, that their works have earned them some divine right to run the vineyard and to take the wage at the end of the day. And it's a very subtle temptation. If I asked anyone here, if you're happy, if you're excited when you see someone baptize and enter the church, if you're happy if you see the church grow, every single one of you will say, yes, that makes me excited, that makes me happy. None of you would say, well, I hate it. I grumble at that. But yet, even as we baptize, even as the church grows, what is there in the church? There's grumbling. Just like the people grumbled against Moses, there's still grumbling in the church. Why is there grumbling if we're all excited to see the church grow? Well, consider it. How often does the older generation grumble about the younger generation in the church? Either because the younger generation just doesn't get it or they're soft or because they want to do things differently. And so there's grumbling. How could they change that? And likewise, for the younger generations in the church, sometimes there's arrogance and a dismissive attitude towards the older generation. Believing that the older generation has no wisdom, has no advice, and isn't worthy of honor. 
And so generations of cradle-to-grave Christians grumble against each other in the church. No matter what congregation you visit, you'll see it. Or in another situation, if someone new joins the church and the group dynamics of the church change, maybe it's someone that could be added in a few years to the board of elders or maybe someone new to the kitchen helping out there, the dynamics change. Do we welcome them in or do we grumble because they're challenging our stature in the church? There's grumbling. And so I ask you this question. If everyone grumbles because everyone receives the same denarius now, then why don't you think they'll be grumbling at the end of the day when all receive that same reward again? And the reason that we grumble, whether in church or in school, the reason we grumble is this. We forgot who we were before Christ took us from the marketplace. We forgot that we're here by God's grace alone. We have begun preparing for Ash Wednesday. We've begun preparing for Lent. And as we prepare, we're really preparing to work in the vineyard. We're preparing to fast. We're preparing to increase our charity. We're preparing to spend more time in prayer. And as we prepare for all that, as we prepare to work in the vineyard, Christ reminds us of this. It's all by His grace alone. The wage that we receive at the end of the day is not because of we didn't earn by our work in the vineyard. The wage we receive at the end of the day, He earned and gives to us freely in His name. None of this is by our work or because of our name. We were simply helpless people in the marketplace. And by His grace, we are here. The workers in the parable show us how not to react at the end of the day. But our psalm shows us how we should react at the end of the day. So if we look at our psalm, he says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. You have equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. For this I will praise you, O Lord, that is, I will confess your name, O Lord, among the nations, and sing to your name. Let's not focus on our own works which lead to grumbling. Let us, like the psalmist, focus on His grace. Because when you focus on His grace, you can't help but fall more and more and more loving towards God. We are merely the humble, repentant people in the marketplace but focusing on His grace of deliverance and forgiveness as we remember our baptism and how His body, His church, becomes our fortress as we eat and drink and receive strength from our rock. As we focus on all that, we can't help but love our Lord more and more deeply. We get to be in His vineyard. We get to be in His school. 
My friends, that is grace. All given to you freely. Don't begrudge it. Our journey in Lent and this life is the journey from the font to the altar, from baptism to the grave. Our journey is the way of the cross. It's the way of suffering in Christ. But whether we bear that suffering by working the entire day of our lives or only for an hour of it, rejoice because it's all grace. We bear the heat and burden of the day now, but it ends in glory, in the glory of the resurrection. The psalmist says he lays our way perfect. This is the way he has us on. It ends only one way, by his grace and glory. How could we not want anyone and everyone to join his vineyard at any time when it's all by grace? when it's all by His generosity. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard, saith the Lord. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies, and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us, that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people, by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard, saith the Lord. O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, we beseech you, favorably hear the prayers of your people, that we, who are justly punished for our offenses, may be mercifully delivered by your goodness 
for the glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishment, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, Help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, 
before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Amen.